0: Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
1: It is Monday, September 21st, 2020, and it is time, donks. For morning combat hi everyone my name is luke thomas i am one half of the hosting duo here i am joined by the gentleman on the other side of the screen we're both from cbs sports but he is the conspiracy to my theory it is the one and only brian campbell brian could you believe this week will be the first time we see each other in person anyway since
0: march <laughs> can you believe that Wow. Wow. It's been a long time, Luke, since we've rocked and rolled and I am fired up. Luke, for all intents and purposes, this is the biggest week of your life, of your career, of your existence on this earth. So shout out to you and the MK merch right now. the uh, The new glasses. Makes you very studious, very William & Mary. And uh, I don't know why your shot is more zoomed in than mine. Maybe Jay can get in on that. But uh, look, guys, this is it. You know what I mean? This may not be a typical morning combat week because of the live events, the double pay-per-view going on. But this is like we said, Luke. This is the launch, for better or worse. We're gonna be hitting you up many times this week, okay? We're gonna be banging that drum slowly, if you will. Uh, I am so fired up. Once again, welcome to the family. Hope you enjoyed the vacation, Luke. Yep. Uh, I- I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Okay? It's double Charlo. It's UFC 253. I am Woo! so. I have feelings, Luke, that are deep in the loins, just bubbling up.
1: Well, you know what? I I have uh, not quite the same feelings, but I'm certainly excited. As you guys may know, this weekend is a big weekend for all combat sports fans. As Brian just alluded to, on the MMA side, UFC 253. On the boxing side, it's the Charlo doubleheader. If you guys did not already know, it is worth saying right now, Brian and I, essentially two different cards. It will start at 7 p.m. in the East on pay-per-view for Showtime. The first Charlo, Jermall Charlo, brother, will fight. That card will end. There'll be a 30-minute intermission before the next card begins. Again, one pay-per-view price for the both of the cards. The intermission will be Brian and I probably breaking down the last card, setting up the next one. My first debut on pay-per-view. I'm pretty excited. Plus... UFC 253. So I want to say this, Brian. We don't know exactly how this is going to go. You and I are going to be doing the weigh-in stream and the press conference stream and that intermission on pay-per-view. We're also going to be bringing you...
0: Wednesday presser, press conference stream. We're going to host it. Get ready. You're going to be able to hear interviews with all the fighters. Hear us break it down Friday, Friday. Check your, check your local listings there, but late morning, we're going to hit you up. We're going to host that weigh-in, get you fired up, and then, as you mentioned, Luke, that halftime show. But that's just the beginning.
1: And this th- there hasn't been a halftime show this good since Shakira and JLo. More to the point, we're also going to be bringing you special extra MK episodes this week on top of our coverage of the charlo double header live from the mohegan sun some of them may not be live we'll see how that goes but all i'm saying is expect a ton of content this week both of us will be the mohegan sun uh by tonight now with that yeah, in you mind see BC... a,
0: you want to see a world wardrobe malfunction at the halftime show pay it all right pay that <laughs> pay that man his money let's go double charlo six fights five title fights uh maybe the two most important and toughest fights of the great charlos career this is going to be a great night of action and oh, by the way, Luke, yeah. we have a, a box of sex called Adesanya Costa. So this right. is what a what a time, right? What a time, brother!
1: For folks who haven't done the math yet, and we'll start the show here in just a second. Between the two events, the Charlo doubleheader and UFC 253, there are seven world title fights this weekend. Five on the boxing side, two on the MMA side. It is, uh combat sports weekends basically don't come a whole lot better than this, so we have a lot to do. Now, we are going to preview most of that throughout the coming week. What we have to do first, BC, is number one, if you want to try Showtime, you can try it for free. Go to Showtime.com. You can get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. If you want sweet morning combat gear like this, go to store.show, that's S-H-O, com plenty of morning combat gear up there and uh certainly give the video a thumbs up hit that subscribe button this is the week where mk really sort of launches into its second third maybe fourth maybe even fifth gear we yeah. will see
0: and I all just right, but... wanted to jump in there and say a lot of people have reached out and said, hey, remember that show you guys did with Mauro Ronaldo and Scott Coker, Morning Combat Strike Force Classics? Mm-hmm. You want to find that? There's only one place. It's by subscribing to Showtime. It's got its own folder under that app. That is worth it right there. Get your 30 days going. Uh, after you watch that Suge Knight documentary, check in with what MK's doing. Relive some Strike Force Classics. Let's do and this. To, and Luke, to be clear. it's finally happening. The, he- the head is out, Luke, okay? All this talk, all this teasing, this is the week. That you prove whether CBS made a sound financial investment. Do
1: they know I work for them? It's a very uh, sort of, uh, you know, we'll debatable. see how that goes. Uh debatable. It's certainly debatable. All right, BC. We got a lot to get to in the coming week, but first things first, we got to recap the weekend that was. Let's start that now. Over the weekend, UFC Vegas 11 took place in your main event. Brian, I will go to you first. Tyron Woodley losing. Essentially via TKO fifth round injury, but as you know, the story of the fight was that Colby Covington basically walked away with it, especially as the fight more or less wore on. Let's start with the first question here, Brian. Should Tyron Woodley retire?
0: Yeah, one 1,000%. 1, uh, you know, uh, we can bring out the Prince Nassim meme and be like, you know, I know it's too harsh. I think he should finish. Unfortunately, he should have finished a while ago. It took us a while to really figure out. Whoa, whoa. Hopefully people didn't hear that same echo I did in my ear. Uh, yeah. it took us, it took us a while to figure out was that one bad night against Usman? Was that two bad nights against Gilbert Burns? No, it's over. Unfortunately, it's over. Tyron Woodley, as Dana White basically alluded to, he should be done. And I know in this case, Luke, there is that whole thing about the rib injury, the broken rib. And I'm not saying that's not legit, right? But, That did happen somewhat later in the fight, and it just comes to a certain point where you can't lean on that as some sort of crutch or excuse, and I'm not necessarily saying Tyron did to try to say, look, that fight could have gone differently or really the rest of my career could go differently. It can't. His fighting spirit has been extinguished, Luke. It's not that he's not a, a real man and not a warrior. I mean, look, he took punishment against Gilbert Burns, and like he patted himself on the back this past week, he did go five rounds and finish the fight. But the point is... He's not willing to pull the trigger anymore. He's not willing to risk it all and find out what he needs to do in order to win these fights. It's like he goes in there, Luke. He he tests the temperature of the water. He says, I'm not going to be able to win this fight on my own terms, so I'm just going to survive. And that doesn't work, certainly at the elite level. That's how you're going to get yourself hurt. And to be even more critical, because this is our job, that's how you produce really boring fights, which for the most part, this fight was. Even though, to be honest, Woodley did let his hands go more against Colby than I think he did against uh, Kamaru and Gilbert Burns combined. It's tough for me to see this, because I've been on the Tyron bandwagon for a while, okay? There are very few, Luke. Extended championship reigns in this promotion's history. There are. This is why we need to bow down at the altar of the John Joneses, Amanda Nunes, GSP, those type of fighters who've been able to package wins over such a long period of time. Tyron Woodley had a great welterweight title run. I don't want to hear it from anybody. A great one. He figured out how to beat all of these fighters in that 4-5 defense run that he had um, by beating them at their own strength. But he's not that guy anymore. And I love him. I want to give him historically the respect he deserves as one of the better champions in UFC's modern history here. But it's not only over, Luke. It's, it was probably over in round one against Usman. We just didn't know it. Something happened during that stretch. We can say the rap album. We can say the TMZ show. We can say a lot of things. He's also in his late 30s. You can get old overnight. It can be physically or it can be mentally. And I think more than anything, this is mentally. He doesn't want to be there in, in there anymore, Luke, and I don't think he should be. I mean, people
1: talk about how boring the Woodley versus Maya fight was, and I'm not here to endorse that view, but I am here to say it is certainly a perception among some fans. In that fight, Tyron Woodley landed nearly 60 significant strikes. I don't think he landed 60 combined in the last two of them. Here are some of the numbers here. I mean, he might have hit 60, but barely. Um, it The last three fights were all five-round fights, right? 34 strikes he landed against Usman, 28 against Woodley, 34 against, excuse me, against Burns, 34 against Covington. He got his guard passed in total uh, 12 times during the course of those three fights. He's been taken down eight times in the course of those three fights. Um, he had a submission attempted against him for the first time, really, uh, in his whole, I think, UFC career. No, I think uh, Till attempted one as well. Oh, no, actually, no, that's it. That's it. Just uh, the, the one there. In any event, you're seeing numbers here in terms of his record low output and then record high output of his opponents. We have seen this in boxing a little bit more readily. When someone is at the end of the line, what is some of the trademark sort of tails that you can see, the, 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 the signs that this is time to hang it up? And usually it's an unwillingness to offensively engage. They just stop throwing. The one that always comes to mind for me, I don't know why, but it sticks out in my mind, Brian Campbell, is Kermit Cintron. You could just tell at the end there. He just didn't want to throw anymore. And it's not like Woodley has been battered through the course of his career. Even in this fight, he didn't get battered. Covington scored less significant strikes than Burns, who scored less significant strikes than Usman. In some ways, it was maybe one of the better performances minus the fifth-round injury. But the key here is, he just doesn't have a willingness to offensively fight uh, a fight is sort of two sides, right? On the one hand, there's defense, which you have to really be mindful of because, hello, the other person is a paid professional athlete who is there to to do some work. So uh, understanding that that's a part of the responsibility is quite literally essential. But there's another half to it, which is the offensive side, which is really, frankly, the winning side. He's been doing a lot of defending and surviving. That is not sufficient. So you can look at the numbers. You can look at the body language. You can also look at just the fact that he's 38 years of age. He'll be 39 next april he is the oldest ufc welterweight champion ever and he held it into a later year than any other ufc champion at welterweight ever has and that speaks highly to his ability to persevere and succeed in a frame that literally no one else ever could it also tells you that maintaining that is going to be very 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 difficult if he were fighting three round fights that means he would have lost four fights consecutively 14 rounds plus that last 15th round, that would have been three fights consecutively. He would have had a full-on shutout, and then a fifth fight where he would have lost the first round and then gotten stopped in the second. If he had, if he was on a five-fight losing streak, almost anybody would say it's time. 14, basically 15 consecutive rounds of taking an L is the kind of broad swath of information you need to say it is time to begin to look for the exit door. No, it's
0: time to run through the exit door, Luke. It's, it's not pussyfoot around. It's time to kick that door open because we have it. This is such a unique fall off the cliff because, as you sort of tease there, normally it's a guy getting knocked the hell out who still has the fighting spirit that we tell it's time to go. I don't think we've ever seen a guy lose the title in subsequent fights just on a failure to launch like this. This is as unique in terms of the wheel falling off as I right. can remember from an elite but- fighter, but it doesn't make it any less the same. Like you're saying, there's the exit. It's time to go.
1: Right, But this is also what you know from Combat Sports 2, Brian. You get old overnight. It just kind of happens, just like that. Some can push that out. Some can find the fountain of youth for a second gear, Alistair Overeem, who we talked about the last time I was on the show. Those are real things. But in general, when you get old in this game, you just get old quickly, especially in a hyper-competitive division like 170 pounds. Listen, I believe you can make a very clear case – that Tyron Woodley is the third best UFC welterweight champion of all time. I would put Matt Hughes ahead of him, uh, based on the record of accomplishment, and certainly St. Pierre. But I think he probably is ahead of Pat Militich, who would be the other sort of obvious choice there. That is a that is a very, very, very good run. But the run has come to an end here. And it has been probably insulting to him to see what has happened in the last two fights before this one. Well, now we're adding injury to insult. This should not be able to, uh, to continue anymore, and even Dana White said as much. Now, Brian, we go back to you. What about the other side of the equation? Colby Covington, again, didn't have the same output, at least from a statistical standpoint, that Gilbert Burns did. Certainly not as much as Kamaru Usman did, but he also got the injury stoppage, which, you know, he was putting pressure on him. I'm not sure how much you can credit him for that, but hey, he was winning that one walking away. He is ranked number two currently at welterweight. Should his next fight be a title shot?
0: It shouldn't, but it should be something that's arguably just as good. He should fight Jorge Masvidal next, Luke. And I'd be perfectly fine if it was a pay-per-view main event. I don't need an interim title thrown in there, but I think both would understand you're fighting for a chance to fight for a title. I'm glad that Dana White stuck to his guns And more or less infirm that it's still going to be Gilbert Burns getting that shot at Usman. He deserves it. I don't want to hear the Leon Edwards arguments until he beats a top five guy, even though he's won 17 fights in a row. But uh, I think that makes the most sense because Colby fought great. He did exactly what he had to do. Uh, avoided the big shots, never got into any kinds of trouble, and just did what he does, which is grind. I don't think he should skip the line, even with the potential uh, of the grudge match rematch and how good that first fight was against Kamara Usman here. Gilbert Burns is red hot. Let's reward him. But I think you've got to go Colby against Masvidal. This is the most pure way, in my eyes, for Masvidal to get back to a title shot legitimately by going in there and beating a top guy and not just sort of... uh, you know, going, let's say the Nate Diaz part two route and then waiting around. I want to see Jorge carry out this serious side of his career where it is now suddenly for him in his late 30s about trying to find out how great he can be. Well, I think, look, you know, it's on him that he took that fight last minute and you get both the rewards and the criticism that comes with it when he was unable to go out there and really give us five hard rounds. I think he's got to earn his way back in, and I'd much rather see him fight a Colby Covington, given the history between them. Look, Luke, this uh, was supposed to be the grudge match of the century, Covington-Woodley, and for many different reasons that I'm sure we're going to get into in a second, it was not promoted the way you would think it would. It slipped in under the radar on the calendar like, oh, crap, that's this weekend? And that's a fight night main event? Good God, let's do it. I mean, this should have been a Super Bowl of, of, of kind of grudge and hate in, in, in good ways. There's different kinds, but I think you can still have that with Jorge, and I want to see that. That's the fight to make, but at the very least, look, Colby cho- showed you right there that he is of the very elite in this division and, honestly, in this sport. I still think at the end of the day, he's Kamaru Usman light, and he wouldn't be able to get over that hill But that's why we watched the fights. He pushed Kamaru for five incredible rounds in their first fight. They chose not to wrestle. They banged, brother. And I know he's got some of those controversy elements to lean on with the referee jumping in and all that. Mm -hmm. But I want to see him earn it and get back there. This was a huge first step against Woodley, but now he's got to do it in my eyes against a a a big one in Masvidal.
1: Let me pitch it right back to you, which is to say the following. I don't really disagree with anything you're saying. Look, you can't go wrong with Colby versus Jorge. And frankly, if it comes to it, you can't really go wrong with Colby versus Kamaru too. Now, I'm not saying that that's the best way to go, but he is ranked number two. You saw them uh, have this exchange post-fight on the ESPN Plus show. Uh, Obviously, he's a worthy adversary. Their first fight was actually kind of fun. So there's a lot of reasons why you could get away with that. But let me ask you this, Brian. We're all kind of banking on the idea that it is Kamaru Usman, and maybe in fact it will be, but we at least have to consider the possibility that it won't be. So what would you say should be next if Gilbert Burns wins? Because if you burn Colby versus Jorge, Leon's still waiting on a fight. Gilbert might not be able to get back into rotation very soon. You're kind of taking away a contender for someone who might need it because I don't have a desire short of some crazy circumstance to see an immediate rematch between Burns and Usman if Burns wins in some kind of fairly legitimate way.
0: I think you stay on course. If Burns wins the title from Usman, I think you would have already scheduled Kobe against Jorge if you go that direction and then the winners fight each other, but obviously the UFC could take the route of leaving Colby as sort of the last-minute replacement should somebody miss weight in that fight. And if that's the case, you'd go right to Colby. He, you know, Look, he's done this as close as you can come to deserving it. He's right there on the outside looking in. I have no problem with that, Luke. The potential problem is the other side of it, which I'm, I think it's worth getting into. I mean, I don't know if you yep. saw this morning, Dan Lebuchard let off his national show with this topic. I mean, bigger than Woodley's rib it's it's the talk between them, and it's what's going on in terms of their mouths right now.
1: All right, so let's get into that. Let this be the last topic on this particular fight, but it's sort of a broader one more generally. As you guys may have seen, it's not been any kind of secret. Colby Cummington has sort of turned himself into a Donald Trump mascot um, supporter, certainly. And I, Tyron Woodley has been very advocate on the uh, – or very, very vocal, I should say, on the other side of things. kamaru Usman, a little bit less so. Still, there's a bigger and broader question here where you had former – Um, UFC-led heavyweight champion and Hall of Famer Tito Ortiz calling uh, Tyron Woodley a terrorist. Uh, You had essentially Colby Covington signing off on it, calling him more of a terrorist sympathizer. But nevertheless, saying these incendiary things. Brian, I'll go to you first one more time here. The basic question is as follows. Should UFC regulate fighters' pre-fight speech?
0: (sighs) Yes to a point, Luke. It, it's hard to say hard and fast yes or no in this case because I don't want it to be yes. I never want a situation where anyone has controlled speech. I want a Colin Kaepernick to be able to put across his message on the NFL field as much as anybody else. I also love that fights in the fight game is a little bit different, right? We can tr- we can trade peace on non-PC words at each other because it's a fight at the end of the day and half the job of a fighter, I'm sorry it really is, is hyping up that fight. I do think, though, there are lines and limitations where if the UFC does not want to step in, then there are potential... Pitfalls and results of the conduct, and I think it goes back, Luke, to the debate you and I had back in the day on the great MMA beat when Conor McGregor and and um and Habib Nurmagomedov were going back and forth. They got into the religion, it got into Habib's wife, and it got to a certain level. And Luke, this was after UFC 229 when they had the attack in the cage, where I remember you and I asking each other, you know, is this too far? Should Dana step in? At that point, we both agreed yes, and there was a reason. If you're going to allow that level of trash talk back and forth, you're going to have extended people, whether it's the camps of both fighters or the fan bases of both fighters, that aren't going to take that as typical trash talk, which is why we saw that brawl after 229. That, luckily for the UFC, was contained at a level where we are allowed to look back at history and be like, wow, wasn't that crazy? Habib made Conor tap and then they had to fight off each other in the cage. But let's not forget how freaking close that came to being the NBA Palace Brawl. And I don't care what you call me in response to that. I'll soy boy for for up the nines for this. I was in the crowd and Habib's manager got tackled onto my laptop there in the front row of the media section. And Ish was wild. People were jumping in from the crowd. That almost went into a full-on thing that the UFC would never want, right? You would never want fans to have fear of entering into an arena that they could basically be involved in the violence. So when I say that there is a limit... It's a soft yes. UFC has to to put in some element here because if a fighter wants to take a political stance, that's on them, right? As much as Dana wants to be like, we don't want to talk about COVID in the UFC. We want this to be a safe space where you can come in and not and not deal with the headlines of the real world and just focus on fights. Well, that's fine until you have fighters who really want to make a statement. And I know it doesn't look great, Luke, and it shouldn't that the UFC happens to support the same cause that Colby does so... There's no problem in letting him run his mouth on the mic. I do think there's limits, though, when Colby has the kind of speech that he did both before and after this fight that seemed to go further than politics. When he's saying, I hate Tyron Woodley because he stands for everything I hate, like the the BLM and all that... I think you're crossing a line into into areas of hate. And it's not that I don't think someone should have a space to give their own stance on politics, religion, on life, on treatment, on anything, right? You want to make that stand, it's up to the UFC to pull the microphone eventually and give you that space for as long as they will. Just like when fighters get on the microphone and try to call out their sponsors, right? We go. The announcer goes, okay, that's it, great, great talking mm-hmm. to you, good win. There's a limit to things. If you don't put in those limitations, there may be consequences. And I think Colby... um, showed us, Luke, the pro wrestling side of him ahead of that Usman fight where he didn't do the trash talk like crazy. He admitted in that interview uh, that this is all an act. Well, he's doubled down on that act to the point that it is gray. And I'm not here to tell you like the Colby character needs to go. We need villains in this sport. But if you're going to allow unlimited free speech you are setting up the potential for consequences and results. I don't know whether it's violence outside the cage or the arena or whatever, but you're going to create volatile situations with that. Um, It's a gray area, Luke, at best, but it's only going to take one bad consequence to, to sort of pull back and be like, you know, there's a limit to trash talk here.
1: I mean, it reminds me of the debate around big tech, right? These platforms like YouTube and Facebook, And they allow these provocateurs, essentially on either side, to say incredibly inflammatory, often totally false, outrageous things. And there's a debate here. It's like, do we just allow them to say that or does big tech step in and then censor them? Well, the problem with censorship is that once you allow big tech to start having a say over who gets to have a say, they begin to just essentially take out anything that's not a centrist element and important voices that could be unfairly grouped with extremities – Uh, of a fringe movement now lose out on their chance to voice opposition outside of the Overton window, right? So you don't really know what to do. But here's the problem. If you just let everybody have a voice and say whatever they want to say, now you get to a situation where you have these platforms which have proliferated across the world that have radicalized young people, particularly young men, and it has turned them into, um, it has damaged democracy deeply. Uh, Not just here, but abroad as well. It is bad for society. It is bad for uh, uh, any kind of... uh, The the social fabric is fraying in no small part because of the radicalization of the online platforms that are designed to maximize false, conspiratorial, and frankly damaging information. Now, Dana White asked a question at the Post 5 press conference. Who is more free speech than us? I would like to give an answer to that. When it comes to fighters saying what they want to, it is very true that they are very hands-off perhaps to your point, Brian, to a fault. On the other hand, when it comes to criticism about the UFC, they're a little bit more like North Korea. This is an organization that has blackballed unapologetically, multiple reporters from multiple legitimate outlets. They made people sign COVID waivers, although I think a lot of that has gone away. Certainly in every UFC contract I've ever seen, there is a clause that prohibits fighters from discussing the specifics of their pay, and so on and so on. So to answer the question about who cares more about free speech than, uh, than us, I would say... Relative to those concerns, literally anybody, uh, literally anyone is more forgiving of that than them. The reason why I think that they let the fighters say what they say, remember, there's one key piece of information here that's worth keeping in mind, BC, which is that on the books, the code of conduct is still there. They have previously fined fighters like Nate Diaz for anti-gay slurs. You can agree, you cannot not agree, but it did, in fact, happen. They have completely moved away from that why the reason why they're so pro-free speech is not because they have some genteel idea about madisonian politics and the way things should be in a free and equal society it's because you begin to blur the line between independent contractor and employee and they don't want to get sideways with that when they already have this lawsuit ongoing that appears to be appears To be headed in the plaintiff's direction, that's going to be the former fighters suing them for money. So what is the right answer here? Let me explain something to you very quickly. If you call Tyron Woodley a terrorist, there are two problems with that. Number one, the only people who can do that are profoundly stupid and totally unencumbered by the facts. That is a reckless, absurd, fact-free assertion. Uh, that does not deserve to be taken seriously, except for the second part, which is that it is incredibly dangerous. You keep letting people do stuff like this, and somebody is going to get hurt. I don't know if it's Tyron Woodley. I don't know if it's tomorrow. You allow rhetoric like this that is not really dangerous because of what it says, but what it says is also totally false. Uh, We're going to have problems. These are people who, in this particular case, right-wing provocateurs who like to just label people uh, different from them with these incredibly awful labels like Marxist, like communists. These are people who could not tell you anything about Marxism other than what Facebook told them. These are people who know nothing about communism other than what Facebook told them. And to be clear, communism has its own massive set of evils, and I am no Marxist. That is a thing that you cannot sign on to. But we're talking about deeply ignorant people sharing profoundly stupid ideas that also happen to be very, very dangerous. The UFC does need to step in when it comes to that. I don't know if they need to fine them or throw them in jail. I'm not suggesting that. But having a word with them might be a good idea because this is a path to a very, very, very bad place. Uh, last thing on this, BC.
0: Well, hate speech I laws. Don't know. Maybe, maybe Hold we on. go Last thing, last thing, last thing. thing, thing,
1: thing. thing, less thing. Hate speech laws in this country never survive judicial review. I know we got to move on. They never we survive judicial review. You, you, you can't pass laws or even as a private entity rules about this. They won't survive in court. I'm not suggesting as much. I'm not calling for anyone to lose their job. I'm not calling for anyone to be fined. But a level of decency, a norm that you stick to, if you lose sight of that, you are in big, big trouble. And we are tumbling down that hill at record speed.
0: Right, and it's 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 tough. It's a gray area when again UFC and Dana White are extremely pro Trump. So anything Colby does with the red hat on, it it starts to look like they're backing that as well. And by the way, just so we can say this, Colby talking to Donald Trump on the phone is like a fun viral moment. Is as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Colby though on the microphone going level of terrorist and basically. I mean, look, there were some things he said that almost sounded straight up uh, hatred of black people. And I know uh, and, and that's just the way it is. And that's how it can be perceived. And I don't think that's any different, Luke, than somebody, a fighter after a win, holding up a Bible and saying all gay people should burn. It's kind of stuff that if you're a brand and the UFC is, you've got to determine what is smart and right for you, both financially and in terms of the message that you're sending that will affect ratings. And right now... There's it's easy to throw a lot of shade at UFC because Colby and Dana are sort of on the same side of this, but you got to be crazy, super careful. And, you know, Luke, the second that this would affect a major sponsor, you'd see a you'd see a tightening. You'd see a you know, and and I want to ask you straight up, Luke. Do you think it would be okay if Dana and company went the opposite level and said, forget this crap, No, we're only talking fights inside the fights fair. We're not losing sponsorships, we're not starting fights, we're not doing anything. We fight, we talk about fights in here. I don't want to hear about your politics, your sponsors, your religion, anything like that. We may have to get to that level if this keeps up and it breeds something, Luke. Uh,
1: Again, I don't think passing rules, I mean, they already have the code of conduct, they just don't enforce it. Beginning to enforce that again, I think, gets to a very bad place, both for them and, frankly, the sport. You are right. This is combat sports. People have a right to be rude and mean and, frankly, awful to each other. What they don't have a right to do is, and I'm not saying we've gotten there yet, but if we keep going, we will. What they don't have a right to do is endanger health and safety. You don't have a right to do that. And to the extent that we get to a point where we allow this kind of climate to get worse, we are we, we are headed to a bad place. So all I'm suggesting is... Having some kind of norm respected, if at all possible, is a much healthier way to go. Now, let's move on. We'll come back to Kamzat Shemaev in just a second, but we have to do this, BC. Over the weekend, there was a boxing main event. Eriksen Lubin getting back to action, winning via unanimous decision. Now, it sets him up for the winner of the next weekend's uh, Jermel Charlo and then Jason Rosario fight. Okay, BC, did you see anything based on how he looked that gave you a feeling, no matter who it is, Charlo or Rosario, he's going to look good against them.
0: Uh, I think it showed us that he can be competitive and probably will be against them. Obviously, the larger picture here, Luke, and the concern you have is, is Erickson Lubin's chin as strong as the rest of his game? Look, he's only 24 years old, and he's a South Paul with big-time power, yet he showed you against a difficult out and Terrell Gaucher, who, if you make a mistake against... He'll make you pay that he can be poised and box in over twelve rounds for the whole you gotta be impressed at what Erickson Lubin showed you. But it's hard to overlook, of course, that tenth round when he did get clocked with a right hand and was wobbly. He Recovered well, his legs were there, but when you mix that with the way we saw him get knocked out by one punch against Jamal Charlo in 2017 in his first title fight, maybe it came a little bit too early in his run, whatever. He's won five in a row since then. I think it's not wrong to have a little bit of concern and say, does Lubin have the chin for this level? We can only find that out in the ring. He passed this test. And maybe it wasn't the most exciting fight because that's Gaucher's style. But I got nothing for respect, Luke, for the way that Lubin went in there and stayed poised, didn't overextend himself, led with his jab, went to the body, did all the things he needed to do, and, oh, by the way, hurt. Uh, really bad in the 12th round and seemed to be on the verge of a stoppage he's going to not be favored against either rosario and charlo and shouldn't be but by locking up the wbc number one contendership here in the mandatory title shot he's going to be in play to have a shot in that fight and that's all you really need at this point luke he's a growing fighter a lot of those skills are coming on the fly i love a lot of what i see but don't overlook that warning sign though
1: here's the deal when he lost to charlo the first time what happened He got knocked out, not quite cold, but something pretty close to it, in the first round. And not by some wild punch, not by some accident, a double jab, which was designed to make Lubin duck down and to his own left. And he got greeted with a right from Charlo, and it it just absolutely stopped the show right there. Did you see something in this fight that told you, it would go differently than the next time. Okay, maybe he doesn't get stopped in the first, but the point is the Charlo brothers both have pretty good shins insofar as we can tell. We certainly know they're athletic. We certainly know they hit hard. Jamal maybe more so than Jermell. Nevertheless, they still are power punchers, and they're quick, and they're smart, and they're gifted. You already got knocked out in the first round. You had to show something in this fight that can make us reimagine the second one. I can imagine that the limits of what happened last time could be stretched, I can't imagine that he'd be broken unless something really, really went differently. Now, you might be asking, well, what about Jason Rosario? Rosario, I don't think, is the boxer that Jermell Charlo is. At the same time, he is willing to take risks. He is kind of heavy-handed. He's getting older. He's getting more mature. When I say older, I don't mean old. I mean coming into his own as a young man. I think he's still in his early to mid-20s. He is, I think, a little bit a bit, probably a better boxer, but the kind of risks that Rosario might take, especially with inside fighting, even when he loses – are something that could give him a little bit of problem. So I might like Lubin a little bit better against Rosario, even though he had that nice win over J-Rock. But against Charlo, I got to tell you, I know he's the mandatory challenger, BC. I don't see exactly what would be different unless Charlo goes in there with pneumonia or something. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, I'm just saying.
0: Well, Luke, he's grown a lot in three years. I mean, huh? look, the Lubin that boxed on Saturday... Didn't, was not the same fighter against Charles the first time. Obviously, we didn't see what that fight would have looked like. And you set up that right hand perfectly. It was kind of a freak shot, but perfect timing. The ploy worked to get him to move in, and he got caught. Uh, I think he is a much more mature, better fighter. Adding Kevin Cunningham as his trainer has been a key in that regard. And he's even told me last week that you know he cleaned up some personal things in his life that obviously any you know pro fighter that becomes sort of a quasi celebrity yes. in his early twenties okay. might but he go got, through. He, but, okay,
1: but BC. He got rocked late in this fight. The power of uh, uh, carried late into this fight. You mean to tell me Charlo doesn't have the exact same kind of power late, or even are significantly more so early, and the same kind of skills to match it? I need to tell you that three years
0: ago, uh, Lubin's chances against Charlo, I think, would have come down to more of a puncher's chance in getting that into an action fight. What Lubin did show us against Gaucher is that now he can box at world-class level and has a, has at least an avenue and a potential, Luke, especially when you consider that Jermell Charlo. If there's any flaw, a great fighter, a quasi-pound-for-pound guy, and by the way, if he beats Rosario, he's going to leap into that top ten if he's not already in there in terms of best in the world. Sometimes Jermell doesn't throw enough punches, so there is that potential for him to get into a boxing match have that left hand. Use that jab, which it's not always easy, Southpaw against Orthodox, to establish that jab. Lubin is consistently showing you that he can. I'm saying he has a much better chance now. If he gets into a firefight against either guy, he's probably going to get knocked out of there. I didn't like the way he looked off a of one punch there from Gaucher, but uh, I think he's grown a lot, and I think this was a step forward, all things considered.
1: Now, the, the star of the show, if you ask me from Saturday's Showtime card, this guy from Philly, wow, Jaron Ennis. They call him Boots. Holy smokes, folks. 23 years of age. he. Every time I see this guy box, he is, to me, BC, if you're an MMA fan, you should love Jeron Ennis. Here's why. He switches stances. He can fight Southpaw for long extended periods. He can fight Orthodox for long extended periods. He has brilliant combos, timing, slick movement, offensively, defensively, and he has the confidence of a 23-year-old who knows nothing but talent, will and winning right he is I mean you, we'll talk about Kamzat Shemaya here in just a second where he just walks down Gerald Mearshart and drops him with a shot Jerron Ennis at least on the boxing side of things has that similar kind of piss and vinegar FU vibe and yet still in command still going out there beating Carlos Abreu who had never been stopped before I don't think finally stopped him and did it with relative ease I mean here was the part PC, see that sort of got me When he wants to be slick and precise and stick and move, he can do that. And then sometimes in this fight, he just took risks to land big shots and still got away with it. He is incredible. He is next level. And the thing that got me when I looked at his record yesterday in preparation for today's show, he's been fighting in like the most random, uh, not cities exactly, but facilities and venues. And he's been fighting in Freemason, uh, you know, I don't know what you call them, shrines, He's been fighting in hardware stores. He's been fighting in all these places. I'm like, dude, this guy is due for a step up. Not really in competition, but in getting the word out about who he is. People need to pay attention. I think Philly has a future champion on their hand and not kind of like some you know, squeaky in champion. Undisputed world title holder, probably across multiple uh, uh, sanctioning bodies. He appears to me to be the next big thing in boxing, potentially.
0: Yeah. First of all, how dare you disrespect the uh, Showbox franchise from Showtime? Which you know, if they got to put on a fight in a hardware store or a no, Masonic no, no, no. hall or Sloan, uh, <laughs> Iowa, they'll do that, Luke. Okay, so I'll, he's coming up you the right the early, way. they? Well, he uh, fought the in Norfolk, that
1: he fought in Norfolk, Virginia, in some of the most random places, not on Showbox.
0: Uh, look, he's uh, he's next level here. He's twenty six and zero with twenty four KOs. It's it's almost past time to see him make a big time leap forward. And look, this was supposed to be a legitimate step up against a guy in Abreu who's gone the distance and fought some very, you know, legitimate contenders across this division throughout his career. And he walked through him like nothing. He's in the welterweight division which we know is always overflowing with stars, whether they're long-faded names who still can draw or young guys on the way up or champions in the middle. Uh I can't wait to see who he gets matched with because you mentioned He both took chances in there and showed you his skill. He has such next level skill command. And really a confidence and poison there, Luke, that he's able to create such highlight reel moments because there's so much sophisticated uh, movement to his setups there and his fainting and all the things he does that he can put fighters in such a uh, difficult position off balance and then come with the boom and absolutely destroy them. I cannot wait to see what happens when he does step up to that upper elite level. He's only getting better by the fight. I said it on Twitter. I meant it. It's it's a destination television when Boots Ennis is there. And obviously under the P. Banner there are no no shortage of fun matchups you can make in the one four seven division uh yeah he, he leaped through the screen he won Saturday night Luke
1: Brian you ever been to the PA the Pennsylvania sheet metal workers hall because Jerron Ennis has <laughs>
0: I think I he worked fought, there, by the way, yeah, in 2005, yeah. yeah.
1: He, he fought at the Masonic Temple in Norfolk, Virginia twice, and he fought at the uh, Howard Theater in 2017 here in D.C. I didn't even know they were putting on fights at the Howard Theater. Okay. Is that where John back.
0: Wilkes Booth shot, shot your president, Luke?
1: That's a little bit more downtown. Uh, okay. Let's go down back to, I should say, UFC Vegas 11, Kamzat Shemiah, B.C. Holy smokes. And I got people who were shitting on me on Twitter when I was like, you know, this guy is different pre-fight. Then Khabib, because he's got knockout power, fight starts, 17 seconds later, he knocks out Gerald Mirshard, one shot, I had a lot of apologists in my mentions after that, BC, I really, I really enjoyed that moment, but in all seriousness, the question goes to you, sir, okay, is it time to say the hype is real, it's deserved, time time to get on the hype trade of Kamzat Shumayev?
0: Yeah, buy all the stock, Luke, buy it all, right, um... We we still don't know what we're not going to know until he gets pushed into that deep end of the pool. And that's a reality with any star. And I know in recent weeks, in fact, after Kamzat's last win, we were like, let's be careful. Let's not create another Sage Northcutt, Johnny Walker. But I think if we're going to make the Johnny Walker comparison, here, comparison, and by the way, shout out to Johnny Walker for getting a win this weekend and putting the train back on the tracks. Um, There's a demeanor inside of Kamzat Jemaev that I think is as impressive, Luke, as what he's doing inside the cage, whether it's taking you down and just grinding out your soul or showing you that flash light switch button power to knock a guy out cold, it's that uh, he's wired to be a champion almost right now. And it's very rare throughout history when you see that those Conor McGregor types on the way up where you're just like, there's just an extra glow coming out of them. It's a level of confidence. It's a level of, of sort of, on uh you know on a star power that's yet to fully develop but is waiting to leap forward this guy calls out everyone he doesn't care he's got a great look he's got a great persona i think that's what separates him from somebody like johnny walker who came in there with you know, a plus athleticism and seemed to like accidentally walk into some spectacular knockouts and obviously got figured out a bit and we're going to, it's still, we got to wait and see who he's going to become. Now, look tomorrow. You can put comms out in there with a guy who, who seems to have his kryptonite. The problem right now, Luke is, I don't know what this guy's kryptonite is because uh, it's not just the offensive force. I feel like he's, he's way more mature than he should be at this point. He's way more confident than he should be at this point. And you put all that together and you get a very dangerous man who is a cold-blooded killer and is going to go in there and just take people apart. Damian Maya is the right fight, most likely. Let's see him against another style, another sort of uh, out in here. But uh, the Gerald Mearshart type's... If he can cut through them like nothing, Luke, then, you know, why are we fooling around? Let's match him very tough. Let's, you know, let's even go past Maya. I don't want to get this guy ruined, but it, it looks so good to be true that I have to find out. So
1: the reason why I thought he might have real KO power was, one, he had dropped a lot of opponents previously, right? You could go back and look and see there are times where he gets the takedown by virtue of his knuckle game, which was kind of interesting. But the one fight that stood out to me on the regional scene, you can go and watch it on YouTube, was at Brave CF 23 This was about April, about a year ago, when my daughter was born. He beat a guy by the name of Ikram Aleskarov. Ikram Aleskarov was, a, I believe, a world champion in combat sambo. And what was noticeable in this fight, BC, was that Aleskarov stuffed all of his takedowns. Uh, he couldn't get him. Now, the fight did not go very long, 226 into the first. Before half a round, he shut down the takedowns completely, of Kamzat Shemaev. That is also something to note. Maybe there are going to be some limits to his takedown game. But what ended up happening was Kamzat just decided to, I think he even did a switching stance, if I'm not mistaken, but at a welterweight, threw a feint, got the hands down from uh, Leskarov, and then knocked him out with basically one shot just like this. Here's what's interesting about Saturday. This was at middleweight. So his power, one-punch power, up a weight class, was enough to knock out a guy like Gerald Mearshart, who, by the way... Yes, he's been finished in the first round before, but only by TKO, by Ian Heinish. Eric Anders uh, defeated him via split decision. Kevin Holland, split decision. Jack Hermanson submitted him. And then Tiago Santos beat him, but not until the second round. I mean, this guy put a punch on him that those guys basically couldn't, or at least at a bare minimum, didn't. For his power to go up like that at a weight class that he's not necessarily best situated for is shocking. So... Do I think the hype is real? To an extent, yeah, I suppose I do. The only thing we haven't seen yet, to your point, is we don't know what we don't know. Demian Maya is going to pull guard. How does he deal with a guard player? Or how does he deal with somebody who can stuff his takedowns but has better striking than Oleskarov? Or what does he do with somebody like maybe BC or Colby Covington who doesn't play games and goes to try to take him down? How does he react to those things? I don't know. But here's what I do know. When he's a bully... (laughs) <laughs> he is he is appointment viewing in MMA. Some of the most exciting times in a fighter's career, if not the most exciting, is when they're on that way up the ladder because every fight, they keep making you reimagine what's possible. I remember the rise of John Jones just that way. And Comsat's not there yet, but you get that same kind of feeling when he goes and does stuff like that.
0: Yeah, he's a tank rolling down the street, Luke, and I can't wait to see who runs in front of him. That's really where we're at right now. And, uh, you know... It- the Habib comparisons at times, you know, you could see why. Same area of the world they're from, but he's such a... And look, we love Habib for almost having sort of the anti-personality, right? So quiet and, and he'll smash you and all that stuff. The fact that Chemayev is almost overwhelmingly, uh, you know, charismatic in certain regards. It, it, there's so much potential here. If I'm the UFC, I echo what Dana sort of teased. Uh, let's get him back in in uh, Abu Dhabi, you know, in a couple of weeks. Let, let's, let's figure this out, Luke. Let's make this happen.
1: All right, so lastly, before we move on to the Michael Chandler point here, very quickly, any thoughts about Nico Price and Cerrone? Do you have any, any major takeaway from that?
0: It was weird, right? It was weird. It, like, yeah. I, you know, It's not that I'm against the respect shown by both. It was certainly weird that Nico Price overly celebrated the joy of a draw against a guy who I know is a legend, and he rightfully kissed the ring and gave Cowboy that respect. But, you know, a guy would come off – four straight defeats, and, you know, we really should be talking right now uh, whether he should be going the route of Tyron Woodley as well. And uh, to see him so excited and looking for a rematch, and, uh, look, I, you know, I like when they're talking about their kids. I like the, the good moments there in the Megan Olevy interview. That's all great. But I saw Cowboy Cerrone Luke, who it's, it, it's time. It really is. Or at least it's time to say, what the hell are we doing? You and I have rightfully criticized in the past few weeks Anderson Silva's booking by the UFC in his 40s cowboy i think is really in that same territory there's no reason to feed him to any guy and i know look this could have this had the potential to be an all-action masterpiece which it wasn't right but it did nico price in the cages is crazy this could have been great but I think for Cowboy Cerrone at this point, if he wants to keep going, uh, let's give him Clay Guido. Let's give him Diego Sanchez. Let's give him that level of matchmaking, and let's completely give him the victory lap because uh, the ship has sailed as well for him, Luke, on the idea certainly of him being a contender, but even being the type of guy that you use to get over other guys. I don't want to see that. He doesn't pull the trigger the same way. I cringe when he gets hit. So much love and respect. Look, you can't not love Cowboy, right? But they shined him up for one last ride, and it was the Connor fight, and it ended, you know, worst-case scenario for him. Let's not go through this anymore.
1: The issue for me is that I think you would agree. He showed a lot more offensive life than Tyron Woodley. The problem is, you know, Woodley had, and I said this on Saturday night, Woodley, I mean, you can say what you want about Colby as a person or as an act or whatever, Dude, that's a fighter. He is a very worthy adversary. I mean, that's, you know, the number two ranked welterweight in that organization. Uh he is very, very good. Nico Price is not some scrub, he's talented, but he's not even ranked, right? And this sort of tells you sort of the difference there a little bit. Now, you can make a case that he was coming on in the third. You can make a case that I and I thought he did beat Pettis in their rematch, but you know, in the end the judges disagreed and and certainly here it was a, a majority draw. He didn't look good early and sort of had some moments in the middle. I'm just saying While I think he needs to look for the exit door, B.C., and he's had a ton of miles, the fact that he's willing to throw the way he is, to me says you don't have to rush him outside the door, right? Because every subsequent defeat is getting worse for Woodley to the point where now he's breaking his ribs. Uh, Certainly, Cowboys had a gazillion injuries, but he he did put on, I think, something of a spirited performance, at least relative to what Woodley did. So to me, there's a little bit of a difference there. Now... Speaking of uh, sort of top contenders and and some names we appreciate, UFC made big news last week, and we're we'll finally get a chance to discuss it. Michael Chandler signed with the UFC, but here's the deal: his first fight, he's going to be as I get to the side here. His first fight is going to make him a um, backup, basically, to either Khabib or just Gaethje if one of them falls out. Now, UFC tried to make him or give him a fight against. Uh, Dustin Poirier, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But first, BC, you like Chandler to the UFC, A, and B, in his first fight as a backup?
0: Yeah, look, it's weird. I don't want to crap on this more than it deserves, and I, I by the way, uh, Pitbull, uh Patricio Pipple had a great tweet basically saying, that's the guy I knocked out, and now he's your big signee, and you're making him a backup. I don't love the backup thing. Him signing with the UFC is great. I, at 34, we've talked about it before, he is on one hell of a run. He deserves this. Bellator made their decision, UFC made theirs, and I think it was the right one for all parties, all three, UFC, Bellator, and Chandler. I can't wait to see him fight everybody, Luke, basically in the top 15 and beyond. That's the type of fighter he is. Uh, but this is a very muted announcement. When you announce, we got this great fighter, and oh yeah, he's going to you know cut weight and go through a training camp to be the potential backup. You could have accomplished that same thing by giving him a damn fight, right? On that same card, you can give him a Paul Felder, or Kevin Lee, somebody in that category. Heck, Luke, if you wanted to, you could give him somebody worse, one that you'd almost be assured he would win and still use him in that same regard as the potential main event backup. And if he filled in for either Habib or Gaethje, Obviously, it's must-see TV. It's violence. It's action. It's everything we want to see. Uh, you know, I don't think... I don't want to harp on it too long. I don't think they disrespected him. I just think this is a little bit muted to what it could have been. And I think it touches on that other topic. Why the hell are we not doing Ferguson Poirier? Pay both that men their money. What are we doing here?
1: All right. So, yeah, my only view of Chandler is like, I, signing with the UFC, I totally get it. 34. It was now or never. He pulled the trigger on it. That's cool. The other part for me is... um it's like if they if for some reason Khabib falls out and they do Chandler versus uh, Gaethje, I like it. I don't hate it. I just wouldn't want to see it under those circumstances. Conversely, same kind of thing. If Chandler gets the call to Khabib, I don't hate it. I just wouldn't. I, it's just it, it, now nothing about it is bad. It just feels out of order. It's like trying to put on your shoes before your pants. You might get them on. But there's going to be a struggle, and it's going to be a little bit weird, and it shouldn't go that way. Sort of how I feel like, about shouldn't it.
0: Shouldn't that be? But shouldn't that be Poirier or Ferguson? Now you're getting me all all hating on this. But shouldn't that be the the for them instead of Chandler? Aren't they more? Well, see, I don't even mind.
1: Here's the thing. I don't. I would mind less about Chandler filling in actually if they had Poirier versus Ferguson also on the card. So the news is they didn't want to pay Poirier the money. Ferguson took his back and was like, "Ah, eh, you should pay this guy." Then they said, how about they go, to, they go to Poirier, hey, why don't we just give you Chandler? And he said, you know what, out of respect for Ferguson, I'm also not going to take it. I love the fact that Ferguson and Poirier kind of worked in tandem here. Most of the time opponents just shit on each other for no particular reason. Here they worked together to increase their pay. It didn't exactly come out the way they wanted to, but I, I admire the spirit of it. And now we lose the fight. It's like, I, let me explain something. Let me see if I understand this. If you look at the combined records of Poirier and Ferguson who have fought the absolute hammers of their generation, probably at a discount 99% of the time. You mean to tell me we can't come up off our pockets a little bit more, especially at Fight Island when they're giving you a site fee and they're paying for logistics and travel and everything else? We can't come up off our pockets a little bit more to make that fight happen? I mean, this is why these stories about, hey, the UFC put $50,000 in my Christmas stocking. Dude, I've been broke. If someone gave me $50,000, that would mean a lot to me. I would have an emotional attachment to somebody who would uh, show that kind of generosity. But it doesn't undo the fact that we know it's 20% annual revenue that gets shared with the fighters, and that's it. All these other stories of largesse and generosity, I get that they mean something to the individual fighter, but they don't change the facts, and it's why we keep losing good fights like this.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know how you fix this? Look, and, and I don't know what Dustin Poirier was asking for. I agree with you that pay him. It deserves it. Or call up call up your buddy over there in, uh, in Abu Dhabi. They'll pay for it. But uh, how you fix this is put Chandler against Ferguson, right? Or, or like, is yes. that that hard?
1: Yeah, you could right? do that, too. You could do that, too. Okay. I mean, it just here, here's – but this is the problem, BC. The problem with what the UFC has is – and I say problem, like, um, problem for fighters who want more money. It's not a problem for you and I is that they have such a command over the top talent that when, like what's, what's, the, what's, what's a promoter's responsibility? To put on the fights that people want to pay money to see, right, that's what it is. So what happens is they have such a command of the market essentially that if one of the guys falls out, they can sub in somebody else and it's a really good fighter to your point. They could just go Ferguson versus Chandler and everyone would be like, well it's not exactly what we were looking for but who's gonna complain? Cause hey, that's a phenomenal contest and the fans are kind of conditioned to substitution, especially in this COVID era where you know things are falling out left and right. So, if, as a service to the fans or the media, yeah, it's great. As it relates to fighter pay, it's a, a hurdle certainly that they have to overcome. All right, yeah. Last one on this, BC. Well, we got to move on. Boxing and MMA. We got big, big doings this weekend. As I mentioned, between the two cards, I should say three, sort of between the two events. Let's say. You've got seven world title fights. All right, BC. Which one are you looking forward to the most? Which one is everyone sleeping on?
0: Such a tough ass answer. Look, I mean, look, gun to <laughs> my head. Both fight. Both cards combined. You're not going to get more action than you're probably going to get on Adesanya Costa. But let me put that to aside for a second. The best actual matchup might be Jamal Charlo Sergei Derevchenko. Look, I want to see that one so freaking bad it's the first of the two double charlo main events and look when you compare the resumes of the two charlo brothers jermel a little bit more proven against elite talent. It's because Jermall moved up to middleweight and because of the boxing politics, if you will, where he'd been on a certain side of the street where there wasn't access to as many elite 160 pounders. He's looked great and blown away Hugo Centeno and, and, you know, getting the decision over Matt Korobov and he's won some tough fights. But Derevinchenko offers Jermall Charlo the stamp fight, the absolute, you are a legitimate fighter if you walk in there against that killer and come out on top and defend your title. We've seen Derevyanchenko against the very best in the world at middleweight, losing a split decision to Danny Jacobs and losing that close as balls nail-biter with Gennady Golovkin that really was in the discussion for your fight of the year last year and deservedly so. Derevyanchenko can get inside. He can go 12 hard rounds. He's tough as nails. And oh, by the way, his nickname is The Technician because he can box and do some things. To see Jermall in there against that, I cannot wait. Jamal Charlo is plus level on things like speed, power, athleticism. He can box, too. But as we talk about all the time in here, Luke, as I spit all over the place... You don't know what you don't know. You don't know if you really can swim on that level until someone's kicking you off the plank and you're down there in the bottom of the tank. And we're going to find out as this fight rolls on, if it does, whether Jermall Charlo can. I cannot wait to see. I've been itching like everyone else to put the Charlos in the top 10 pound for pound and really, really say that they are everything they seem to be. This is that moment for Jermall. Please don't sleep on this. This is an absolutely great fight.
1: And uh, the biggest sleeper, very quickly.
0: You know, I like a lot of... Uh, how about this, Luke? How about this? You ready for this? You wouldn't think so. Dom Reyes, Jan Blahowicz. Uh, you took mine! You play. took. You took mine! Bastards. Oh well, why don't you tell the people why? I don't want to. I don't want to take anything more from you, by the way, because uh, you know, our guy uh, uh, Web Scream, he just hit me up with a picture of you and Malcolm X side by side of my DMs with the title "Same Energy." <laughs> Luke, you buy that at the uh, where'd you get those those shades there, Luke?
1: Yeah, I got some. uh My wife got me these. How about that? I got a little some got some Tom Fords up in this piece. Um, so the reason why I like this fight is I don't know if you guys saw it over the weekend. It was revealed that there is this sort of uh, pre fight ritual that Jan Blahovich has where he touches the noose that was used to hang a man. Now, it's, it's not as morbid as it sounds. I don't want to spoil it. Go read the story about why he does it. It's actually a little bit more respectful than it certainly sounds. But here's the point I've been trying to think about, uh, make about John Jones or any kind of towering figure in a division. There are pluses and there are minuses to their departure. And the minuses are obvious, right? When you lose a St. Pierre or when Silva sort of doesn't have the same relationship to middleweight that he once did. And in this case, John Jones leaving light heavyweight to go to heavyweight. Pick your other, you know, transcendental figure. But some of the pluses are that they are so encompassing, so so larger than life. Is that you, the stories of a lot of these other guys sometimes don't get told? Yes, if they fought John, they get magnified a million ways. But almost as like part of his story, especially if he wins in the way that John does. When he leaves, you get a chance to learn uh, not more of the story. It depends on what you're clued in. But you know, the attention goes directly to guys that ordinarily would not necessarily get it. And Jan Blachowicz here is 36, I think, years old. People are finally learning about this guy and his Polish background and all the different sort of weird eccentricities about him. And ho- hello, again, I have been a big uh, proponent of John Jones' ability for a long time. I did not score the Tiago Santos fight against him. I did not score the Gustafson fight against him. I did score... The Dom Reyes fight against him. I think Dom Reyes is absolutely incredible and I think he'll probably win on Saturday but if he doesn't can you be surprised because Jan Blahovic has been slept on all this time. You've got a gunslinger in one way versus a modern fighter in another. Yeah I love how international it is. I love how weird one guy is. The other guy used to be an IT technician at a high school and now he's doing all this kind of different stuff. There are just a lot of really interesting stories that don't get told. The fight itself should be interesting. And I don't expect light heavyweight to capture your imagination right away. It's going to take some time. But the path to light heavyweight in its new post-John Jones era, it starts Saturday. And I love this fight. I love everything about this fight. I cannot wait to see it.
0: Well said there, Malcolm. What I I like about this fight (laughs) a lot is We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Uh, what I love about this is your your gut tells you... Uh, well done. Your gut tells you uh, that, oh, Reyes pushed Jones to the limit? Of course he's going to beat Blahoyd's, but... Uh Let's not forget, go back and watch the Dom Reyes fight against Volkan Ozdemir, right? I thought Volkan won that fight. I thought he kind of got screwed. And, you know, Jan is a big boy in that same regard. If he can keep this fight on his terms at close range. There's one other sneaky thing about Jan Blahowitz Luke. And sometimes we criticize him for this. He can be patient to a fault. He's had some boring fights. Remember the Jacare one I wanted to throw up in my Speedo, Luke? That was so bad. Uh, if he lingers in a five-round fight and has that power and can carry it... There's gonna be a tough out, okay? Noose and all. There's gonna be a tough out. Can't wait to see that. And obviously many more fights on this six fight loaded double charlo pay per view card. And anyone who's late to the party here, Luke, probably saying, What, these guys aren't gonna preview all the damn pay per view fights? We got we got some episodes this week we're gonna roll out. We got we got future. We're hitting them hard this week, Luke, right?
1: All right, well, with what, that in when? mind. What days? Yes, yes. With that in mind, let's get now to our well, next well, segment. Well,
0: well Luke, I'm going to stop the damn show because I I don't have producer credits here, but uh, why are we rushing? We're Wait, not dude, rushing, BC.
1: It's 12. We are not rushing. It's 1204. We are in no way, shape, or form rushing. This might end up being our longest show. We don't have to go long just to go long. There should be a reason to go long, like we did. Luke, some people second. are
0: just born long. You know what I'm, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. You just can't, you can't, you can't hide it, Luke. Okay, it is what I, it is. All right. I,
1: cer- I certainly am. Uh, all right. Time now for when you get to ask us questions. It's time for DMs from donks. There's the donkey. There we go. All right. BC, you go first. This is from XS Killy, Texas. Whatever. Uh is Tyrone, which is not his name, it's Tyron. Is Tyron Woodley's decline the sharpest we have ever seen in the UFC from killer to a no-show?
0: Uh, uh, I hard
1: to imagine one quicker than that one.
0: Yeah, I mentioned that this is a unique one because again, it's not him getting knocked out. Like he actually showed fairly responsible defense in his last three losses and 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 was in great shape and all that. Um, I think the starkest fall I've seen, Luke, is more of like the Henan Barrow type to legitimately go from like, po- mm. you know, pound for pound number two killer title, uh, you know, defender to like, Seven losses and eight fights and lost his job. Johnny Hendricks was also a steep fall. I'm gonna say this again. I've never seen anyone quite like this because at that point, entering the Usman fight, where Woodley was, I think I had him number three pound for pound, and I'm the guy again that was banging the drum saying, UFC's not promoting this guy. They're not telling you what they should, that he can beat anybody any way that he wants to under his own terms. Look, he got old. Something happened, right? Something, the, the wiring you know, fell apart on the inside. The, the, the computer overheated. Something went wrong. But again, I've never seen anybody exactly like this. It's hard to make a comparison.
1: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's like and Burrell had all this hype. And Woodley was well-known and hyped, but not in the same way. Remember, he was knocked out in his last strike force fight against Nate Marquardt. Now, he came back and then he beat, I think, Jay Huron. Uh, knocked him out, but then he lost to Jake Shields, had a couple wins, lost to Rory McDonald, had some wins, and then he went on this long stretch between the Dong Hyun Kim fight and then the Darren Till fight, where he basically never lost. I think he was a draw with uh, Thompson in between. So he had this really long, impactful uh, moment, and then it just fell off a cliff. The only thing I'd say to that is, he also was fighting Kamaru Usman, who is now the champion, Gilbert Burns, who might end up being the champion uh, very soon, we'll see, and then Colby Covington, who also could be champion and was the interim champion. It's not like he's fighting scrubs. Like, if they bumped him down, could he get right maybe? I don't know. It's certainly worth considering. The only thing I would say is, um, I, I a, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, and B, it's like the age is sort of the complicating factor here. He was so athletic and sure. so talented. He was able to do stuff at a moment in his career when most fighters are done. And now that he's in the past that stage... Uh, there's no more magic to make up for that. It's you're, you're sort of stuck with what the position is.
0: Hey, uh, Luke. All right, yes, Luke. Hold on, hold on here, Luke. I Ugh. know you're rushing to to go somewhere. I know you do have to actually catch a plane too. Yes, We're i have a flight to the catch, but by together, all means, right? make me late. What? Jay, are you? Jay, you still here? Jay? Jay? You, Jay's working from his basement today. You don't have a camera there, Jay, right? Uh, yeah. Oh wow! Not hey guys, you? look it's it's Jay. It's the back of Jay's head. Yeah. Jay, why that, are we? Is why that are we Jay? In such
1: a... Is that Jay or is that Skrillex? Hey, no, Jet uh, J. J, why are J. we in
0: such a damn hurry today? What the hell's going on here? I thought we, you know, we hired, we pay Luke too much money to avoid having to hurry up. All so right? the TSA start, calls. You ever listen to a Luke yeah. Thomas live chat? The thing goes on and on and on. Why are we in a hurry here? It's actually, Apparen- every apparently- live chat
1: is shorter than one of these, motherfucker.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently the TSA said they will not wait for Luke, that they're going to leave without him, and, and that'll screw up the rest of our week, so, yeah. Yep. all right thank you jay thank you it's great great merch that you're wearing there at store.show.com you can you can wear that same thing uh luke i did want to ask you we mentioned it was a muted promotion for woodley and uh and colby in fact i didn't see colby do any interviews once that fight was was uh official he did one with mma fighting right before it i didn't see him do any until like a day before the fight do you want to explain what ufc did with that press conference where it was an undercard press conference on Wednesday, and then both Kobe and, and uh, Tyron came out for like separate three minute scrums. And, and look, and, and you know, Tyron took that moment and, and did Black Lives Matter to everything. And I'm not, and that's fine, but that seemed to be a calculated move by Dana. No,
1: I didn't read into it the way that you read into it, but I can't say that you're wrong. You know, it's um, I mean, it was unusual, didn't want but at the screaming. same time, it didn't it didn't I didn't think of it that way at first.
0: Like don't you think in a real grudge match you'd put them both on sports center and have them screaming at each other like that's what you do. It seemed calculated like Dana didn't want this to turn into sort of a political racial mess, right? That that would seem like they made moves to avoid that.
1: Perhaps, although you that didn't I mean you didn't exactly get that either. Um you know. All right, let's All move right. along. At Jim Gregory 11 BC. This is an interesting one, especially in boxing where everyone has a title. Should Derevianchenko lose in another close, great fight, which is entirely possible, where would he be in the list of greatest ever non-champion fighters?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's that's a a tough one. This is a much different debate in boxing, where you know you could accidentally fall into a title. It seems like there's way too many belts, both legitimate and ridiculous, but yeah this guy's 34 he had a insanely long and in de- in decorated amateur career in which he was teammates and defeated the likes of like alexander Usik, alexander Gross, uh um Vodzik, excuse me uh you know he was lomachenko's teammate and all that but uh yeah he'd be on that list i don't know exactly where you'd put him uh, you know it's a di- that list is hard to make because as i mentioned someone like adrian broner Who we don't, you know, people don't always have a great amount of respect for. He's a four division champion, Luke, but it's in the it's in the proliferated belt era. It's as different than eight divisions one champion back in the 40s and 50s. But you'd you'd take your hat off to Derevchenko because, as I mentioned. The the Jacob's fight was a split decision. I thought Jacob's won, but it was close. But that Gennady Golovkin won is flip a damn coin. I mean, he's walking down the old man and, and hurting Golovkin late in that fight and again nobody but Canelo has ever ever been able to do that. So, uh, this would be a, a, this would be some Susan Lucci bullshit if this happened luke okay if he goes three <laughs> hard fights right how dated of a reference is that if he goes three hard-ass Susan fights and comes Luchy. up empty on the title yeah. level but hey Jamal's that good or at least he looks to be we're gonna find out luke and i didn't yeah. want to underscore jermel and rosario good god that fight's gonna be great but when are we gonna preview the pay-per-view action this- what's our schedule this week
1: Luke? yeah we got a bu- we got a bunch of stuff to happen this week so just hold your horses all right at uh ghost hardware although they've got some numbers doing some substituting work there this is a question for BC. Yes, it is. What's going on with Taras Shalestuk? Shalestiuk? He was the best amateur welterweight out of that 2012 Olympic class and was with Freddie Roach's wildcard gym, but we haven't heard from him in a while. Do you know anything about that?
0: Yeah, I don't know the situation. I do know the name. I know him as a fighter. I haven't I haven't heard of the name in a while. I wish I had a better answer or more prepared or could have researched it. But, uh, yeah, was a Freddie Roach guy? Well, I believe he's Ukrainian. Uh, if not, it's it's close enough, right? Serbian. It's close enough, Luke, okay? I don't mean to be rude there, but it's, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm my Lithuanian people, yes. okay? Vaguely
1: uh, Slavic is what you would say, Yeah, right? I mean, he's,
0: he's a white, some white guy, yeah. Uh, no, look, he's a good fighter. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a, look, look, I can't answer them all. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, well, uh, neither can I, certainly, so I'm no better than you. All right, from underscore K8LW, K8LW. What are your plans for free time in the Showtime pay-per-view bubble? Board games, reading, stair exercise, slash prison workouts – what do you got, B.C.? B.C., I have uh, – I don't know if we're going to be able to go to the gym. In fact, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be able to. Yeah, so I heard I,
0: mixed, mixed reports on that if we well, can. Well, you know what? You know? I,
1: come pre- I come prepared because I brought uh, banded weights. Not weights, but each one has different uh, tensile strength. So some are can good for 10 pounds, 20, 30, 40, 50. So I've got all of those. i got an ab wheel, and, um, and i got some workout clothes. So if I need to work out in my room, I'm good to go. Uh-
0: PR maven uh head of communications there Chris de Blasio of Showtime has told me that he's been doing the in-room prison workout the legitimate one from the uh bubble and you know it's looking a little bit cut there out out on Sunday on the boat so shout out to de Blas right there big time fish head that guy uh I'm gonna do uh you know 100 push-ups and 100 squats every morning Luke okay I think that's enough right uh
1: are you gonna do any reading board games
0: I'm gonna bring books, but never read them, and I'll probably be on YouTube each night watching '90s NBA playoff games in full. That's what I do, all right. And, no, you, know, you should
1: be. That. You should be with me podcasting every night, is what you should be doing.
0: That's well. Right? Well, that's that's the the real answer. That's what we're gonna do. Luke, are we gonna? What are we gonna do? We're we gonna get a case of beer. We're we gonna get some edibles. What are we gonna do? End up arm wrestling? I think. Wrestling, I think.
1: What's I, I think we should. I mean, you know, I can't. De- I don't want to declare for the audiences what we're going to do. But if it's up to me, I'm gonna podcast every night, including tonight. So. We'll see how that goes. Um,
0: You're in a podcast tonight? Wow. All right. After Dark with Luke No Rules, baby. Yeah? That's
1: right. The the, the Fight Sphere Episode 1, bitches. All right. And last but not least, from I Heart Demit. I don't think that's what it means, but I'm going to say it this way. What would be more damaging to the show? A Conor McGregor-like sexual allegation against either Luke Bryan or Jay. Jay, most likely. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Or B, <laughs> Brian actually becomes well-read and vegan.
0: Does that mean becomes, or that means that Brian actually is, and it's just hard, goddamn work making something this pretty look this ugly, right, Billy Ho? Right.
1: That's a, that's another interpretation. What do you think,
0: Jay? I ge- Jay getting
1: hemmed up for you know masturbating at the Let's bus bring stop. In Jay,
0: Jay the... I can't. Jay, can you come in here, please? I can't wait until the allegations come out against No Escape that we, we were thinking you guys got, got Lou Perlman for years, right? You lost your money and your innocence. Maybe it was you guys doing that to others, maybe. Do you know what I would have given to get Lou Perlman? Uh, that, I mean, that's the dream. That is the dream. Instead, I got Ron Johnson. Uh, nobody's ever heard of Ron Johnson or No Escape. So here we are. Yeah. I don't there even know.
1: I don't even know who Ron Johnson is, but I know from that name what he did to you. I can tell you that. I
0: love that. <laughs> I love that Jason record saying, "I wish I got Lou Perlman. That is oh, gross. Wow. I, I mean, know.
1: seven days a week. Uh, Why do you think
0: Lance Bass wanted to go to space? Right. All right, I mean, BC.
1: On. Fucking A. Answer to the question, please. What, what would happen one, if you be- actually became vegan and like a big time book reader? Would it fuck up
0: the vibe? I might think clearly for once, you know, right? Maybe, maybe it would add to it, Luke. Maybe no, you I don't th- know, no, I'm the, gonna...
1: you all actually. I, I'll say this: you always think clearly, right? Everything with you starts with this nugget of truth, and then sometimes goes in wacky directions, but you're usually pretty centered on the nucleus of your idea. The nucleus of your ideas are actually pretty, pretty uh, uh, not moderate per se, but well informed, defensible, you know, good stuff
0: including that Antonina might be the sneakier one of the two.
1: Well, now you're just speaking uh, slanderous bullshit. Okay. Well, with that in mind, BC, speaking of which, it is time for the part where you steer this ship. Take it away, (laughs) good sir.
0: Yeah. Uh, Here's what we do, as you know. This is the best. Look, here's the deal. It's a really big week in our life, and all jokes aside, we thank everyone for supporting us to get us to this point We've been teasing things for a long time. This is just the beginning. We're going to start hitting you pretty hard. MK Daily coming up. And yes, we will be there on the halftime show this week. Double Charlo, Saturday night, Showtime pay-per-view. So I wanted to hit you, Luke, with a double pay-per-view edition of Have You Seen the Shit. We scour the globe, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the highs and lows. Luke, I took some flack last week. People say I pussyfooted Rashad Evans and indoctrinated him into a fight heavy have you seen the shit not enough dong not enough drunk chicks not enough you know fat people would you agree with that or you you didn't watch it i didn't
1: watch last week's show
0: (laughs) all right all right well i'm 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 coming and i'm coming hard okay like ron johnson here we go uh let's start off here luke i don't know if you watch one kickboxing but they had the fastest ko in company history four seconds watch copy wow send Pensionog to hell luke look at that shot right
1: it's like an opening bout from the Kumite.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, I think Sh- Shatri just emailed you to let you know that this was the most watched highlight in in, uh, in global history, Luke. 78 billion
1: people watched it live. Can you believe that? And
0: it helped, cur- yeah, it helped cure COVID, this highlight. It was great, yeah. So shout out to that man, Capitan, right there. Hey, let's go to Bellator 245. This is a little bit more than a week ago, but I forgot about this one. You know Alex Easy Polizzi, Luke? Look what Mm-mm. he did to Rafael Carvalho. Slam! Oh! Let the boys be boys, right? Yeah. That...
1: Wow.
0: Yes, that's some pile driver right there, right?
1: No, I don't think so. Is it?
0: Uh, that can't. I shout out to Jay for throwing up that yeah, graphic. Yeah, Jay just fucking everything uh, up. Yeah, but uh, wow, that, Luke. I I don't care if you tuck the chin. That's gotta. That's gotta suck, right? Yeah,
1: has to suck balls.
0: All right. Hey, let's go on. What's this a promotion? ACA? Is that Russia? I think so. Oh. Check out this upkick, Luke, from the Dude, Deep Dark Ones.
1: That's the uh, old Musasi on Jacare and Dream win right there.
0: Yes, the man's name is Lam Ali Nagiev, and he did the uh, upkick from Hades on Imanli Gamzathanov. Wow, Luke, that's heel right there, bro. It's a heel bro, turn. If,
1: if you've got a beard without the, chi- without the uh, mustache, and your name has Vs and Zs in it with also Arabic names... You are not to be trifled with.
0: No, not, not in the streets. I will third world your ass and not on the map Larry Luke. Okay, thank you. That is fantastic. Uh, Luke, speaking of kicks to the head, um, check this out from your world. Football. Look, we got football highlights here. This can't be legal.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh he did the old Higita scorpion kick.
0: Sort of. Oh, my God. Who is that? Bach. Who's employee number eight right there?
1: I don't know. I, I don't know what league this is.
0: Is that Kaka or is that guy just shit? All right, let's get out out of here. Hey, Luke, let's go to a, a dorm quad backyard football. You want to see the greatest kick return in backyard football history? Check out this fella. Whoop, whoop. I just bermined you there, Luke. Wow, look at this guy. Wow. Luke's still on it, rumbling, bumbling.
1: Look at this one black dude, 50 white guys. Not one of them can get the job done. Amazing.
0: <laughs> this is shirtless tackle, and he's making dudes run into each other. This is like Michael Vick against the damn Vikings, right? This is great. Somebody just shot a dog. This is not good. Right, I've, actually, I've actually
1: lived this experience. One time, we were playing tackle football with some friends of mine. This was like, uh, what year was this? I was eighth grade. And we invited one of the kids who was an actual running back on the football team to come play in the park with us. Yeah, oh, bad this, idea. This, oh, he fucking ran all over us it was terrible yeah,
0: yeah. The, you know how many girls this guy banged after this game this all, how, how many of
1: these guys had girlfriends because that's the answer
0: yeah uh let's get drunk here luke let's see uh drunk moves of the this week is, uh, this luke, dude
1: this dude is the guy in all the archie comics who's all muscled up who kicks face in the uh, kickstand in the face of all the losers
0: uh luke i don't know what you call this but i want to learn in fact if you want to do this in your hotel bubble i'm down check out this fellow with the 40 ounce and they got a—is uh, this a beer bong? What is this, Luke? Does that they're work? They're lighting. So they're lighting the top of it. There's a hole in the bottom, and look at this dude take forty ounces of freedom right in front of us.
1: I can't and tell if you I'm gotta... horrified or amazed or Am I... aroused.
0: I, I'm definitely aroused. Look at that, Luke. Whoa! I want to try that. I'll do that on camera too. That is fantastic.
1: Whoa! Now that, ladies and gentlemen, that is awesome.
0: That's the official, DM us This us is the official
1: drink called. of this show, right there.
0: Yes, should the the champagne of beers forty. I like that high life right there, Luke. Actually, some not a not just... a for,
1: not a forty if it's not malt liquor. Just so you know, but okay.
0: Oh uh, well, all right, uh, hardcore. DC no, 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 no. Is, I, know uh, guy, I know the guy.
1: I know the guy personally. He's been to my house. Who has the? Uh, this is true guinness book of world records largest 40 ounce bottle collection he owns 40 ounce malt and he's explained to me if you put sure regular married too. he is married actually he has kids if you put beer into a 40 ounce container it's not a 40 a 40 is only malt liquor do you know what do know the difference between malt Johnson? liquor do you know the difference between malt liquor and beer
0: yeah i do Luke. i do know the difference what right? is the difference White people drink beer. No, just kidding. Uh, no, I mean, I, it's, it's how it's made, Luke. I'm drinking, you know how much 40s I've drank in my life, dude? You know? <sighs>
1: the difference is that in the fermentation process, they add sugar to the beer, basically, so they can up the amount of alcohol they can stuff into it, hence the name malt liquor. That's why you can get, like, you know, ridiculously high percentage alcohol relative to what normal beer is. Uh, but it also means you're working with dirt-cheap ingredients, hence the name malt liquor, and hence the price of $1.50 for
0: so yeah, you Yeah, don't go. make me tell you again my heffin hef vet, in, uh private stock, 40 stories. Those are great. By the way, a certain drinking things, Miss Generations, like I was before the Edward Scissorhands 40 generation. That's uh, something I wish I did. We were more of the I've done tape power hour people. You know? I, yeah.
1: I did a, I've did. done a century. You ever done a century?
0: No, no. It, it feels like I would throw up at the end of it, Luke.
1: A century is a power hour, but instead of an hour, you do it for 100 minutes.
0: You want to do a, uh, hey, how about this? How about you and I do a power half hour during a podcast in your hotel room, right? We'll mix. Oh, okay, uh,
1: no, 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 we should do a real one because we'll mix three metal be-
0: songs with seventies. Uh, yeah, well, here, here's uh, the thing. Here,
1: here's the thing. Three beers is th- this is the buzzing of flies to me. Uh, you want to do it? You got to do it right.
0: Can you hear okay. me there, BC? Yeah, I can hear you now. Jay's pl- pulling wires over there. Sorry. All right you what i'll do it luke i'll do it you want to move uh. on with the show i'm down yes for it, okay? next next all right it was it was a birthday for this girl i think she turned 21 luke but i don't think she has the best friends uh is this legal what is happening here this is not how you treat somebody on their birthday luke oh god <laughs> that's, that's... That's a, that's a brother. That is like, I've seen strippers treated better. I mean, come on. Why are they,
1: here, why are they in the middle of a cornfield?
0: I don't, I don't know. That is uh yeah, we might want to get off of this before we get arrested. All right. Hey, Luke, let's go to great sports celebrations. Are you down with this? Cincinnati Reds pitcher, Trevor Bauer, getting the strike three and check out the celebration. What would you call this? Oh yeah! Uh, <laughs> I call that winning, Luke. That is fantastic, right there. That guy's a weirdo, but I, he's got good stuff. Got a nice yeah. Up you know what?
1: I, I my new favorite pitcher.
0: Yeah. All right. Hey, let's move on here, Luke. You got to be careful, look. Anytime we're, we're we're men, we see poles, we want to jump over them. But uh, bad things typically happen, Luke. You can you can, <laughs> you can lose your shorts, Luke. You can. That is uh, that is fantastic. Dude,
1: what are this dude's shorts made out of? Cotton candy. <laughs> <laughs> they just disintegrated look at that
0: uh, fly paper yeah i've, I've right. never
1: seen i've never seen denim just like you know disappear
0: uh let's go out here it's tip on tip time but with the toes look is this official tip on tip they call it a pinky promise but uh that's love right there right
1: no that's just being broke that's what that is
0: all right all right i've been I'm there down with it Okay. Hey, let's go to uh, weird gym people. This is your type of thing, Luke. This is workout weirdos. Check out this dude rocking out to cannibal (laughs) coach over there on the the step machine. Wow. (coughs) Luke, you got to rage like no one's watching, right? You Uh, know what?
1: This dude is trying to, you know what? Shouts to this gentleman because he he is a weirdo and there's no denying it. However, he is trying to pump himself up through a workout and he's out there hustling. Salute to that gentleman.
0: He, he fucks, Luke. And you think he, he's probably listening to, like, Taylor Swift or something, though. That's that's probably the 100% problem. this
1: guy is a Kesha fan.
0: Uh, no, come on. I'm a big-time Kesha fan, so why don't you... you know, Kesha, you some...
1: fucking dad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Luke. Uh, speaking of cannibal corpse, Luke, Tom Hayes, at Gingerbread Tommy on IG, sent us in this meme, I- including you. Let's see the quote. Uh... Annie on reception has has been really nice all week, but she just completely avoided eye contact this morning, he exclaimed. And the headline, Luke, is a uh, committed metalhead wears cannibal corpse long sleeve to uh, first casual Friday at the new office. That would totally I, be you at I'm, the uh, at Malka headquarters if we were. I'm literally
1: I'm literally satire. I'm literally satire.
0: That's fine. That's great. That is fantastic. that's hilarious. All right. Uh speaking of user submissions, we got a lot of them this week, Luke. I've been holding them for 2 weeks. Let's see what the people put together. Here's Tim May at Tim Slugga. He 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 heard our rap discussion and sent in a nice uh Black Sheep a Wolf and Sheep's clothing album cover but made it Morning Combat centric, Luke. I'm down with that, right?
1: Looks like we're banging, but okay, otherwise it's fine.
0: You know, I th- I think you're tra- you're uh you're Mr. Long and, you know, the 9.5-er. And who's the other guy in Black Sheep? I forgot. All right. Prez, right? Dre- Drez. Drez of the Black Sheep. Sorry. Okay, thank you. We sound old and white. Let's move on. Uh, at Square Punch Circle on Instagram is an artist, Luke, and he reconstructed you running out of that Wawa after stealing the grinder, Luke. You down with this?
1: Yeah, but he's missing another sub, a bag of Doritos, two Snickers, and the pack is bigger.
0: Oh, let's go over to our friend at Eight Bit Imaginations on Instagram. He created a Morning Combat uh, comic book cover Wow. Incredible Luke and BC Boy. Um, well done, well done there, right?
1: That looks pretty cool. That's nicely done. That looks
0: like pre-kids Luke, right? Powerlifting Luke. Remember that year you got jacked, Luke?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get it back there. Pre- at age team. 41.
0: It was all creatine and water weight though, but you know, that's fine. That's fine. You can do what you have to do. Um, MK tip on tip. Uh, how about this poster art from Scott Marshall at Anya Barry? We've seen work from this guy before morning combat extended edition. Luke, if you know what we're talking about here, right? This could happen this week in the bubble. You never know, right? Dude,
1: This is uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. At best, at best, but well done there. And, uh, at Greg All Thirty One, and that's Greg with two G's on Instagram. Luke, he had the broken morning combat mug that he got in the mail last week, so he decided to pose with it while wearing a brokini and watching our show on his TV. You, you, you down with Greg All here or what?
1: You think this guy's got a girlfriend?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, look, he's got tats. He kind of looks like he hunts on the weekends. There, look, there are states in this union where that's you know that'll get it done, Luke. That right there, we'll get it done, all right?
1: You know what? He is committed to the bit. God bless this gentleman.
0: Yeah. uh, We got one more from D. Piercy's Comics. He sent in an animated drawing of you, Luke. Wow, that looks uh, underslept and angry. That's pretty pretty much right on, right?
1: Uh, Did he get this from the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Luke, is that art? Are we art? Yeah, Is, I'm or, a, our Luke,
1: yeah, I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a microscopically uh, talent as talented Van Gogh. That's that's who I am.
0: He made it with his etch a sketch while sitting on the toilet. All right here, Luke, let's let's check in on Abuela this week. We actually picked this up off the uh, the, the camera on the uh on the dresser of your daughter's room, Abuela oh, no. helping you guys out so Mr. and Mrs. Luke Thomas can go on a date oh, this past no. week. She's putting the baby uh, into the uh, the crib oh, here, no. Luke, using the stepladder. Abuela, <laughs> oh God, not! Supposed to... <laughs> Luke, she's eliminated from the Royal Rumble. That's it. Wow, yeah. Okay, uh, the the baby did not recover, Luke. Uh, she...
1: <laughs> that is amazing.
0: It kind of looks like your abuela. I like that. All right. Uh, you don't hey.
1: even know what my abuela looks like, MF-er. Uh,
0: you know what? If I come to D.C., I'll do a podcast with abuela. We'll do it in Spanglish. It'll be fantastic. Uh, our street fight of the week, Luke. Let's go down to Miami Beach between on Collins Avenue between 9th and 10th Street. Ooh. Oh, God. Oh, God, Luke. This is good. I don't know if we're effing or we're fighting, but I'm in for both, Luke. This is great. Wow. That's a topless chick right there. You know who sent the? You know who filmed this? Billy Corbin of the uh, Dota Five Thousand doc. You know that guy, right?
1: Wow, I'm amazed. I thought for sure the old thong the thong 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 was going to get walloped. She did a number on her, so, huh?
0: Oh no, no. So, so the lady with the free breasts, she she did a number on that lady. She pulled off her wig. I don't know if you can see that.
1: Oh. And now
0: and now she's like, oh, you you guys over here want some of this? Oh what? Oh, and now here, here's her problem though. Now she's getting served. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She you got know, a little too like, greedy. You know, Colby can beat Maya, but he goes in there against Usman. He's in trouble. You know what I'm saying, Luke? This yeah, is what yeah. happens here. You got to yeah. know
1: your limits. You know.
0: Yeah. This is uh, wow. Okay. Imagine uh, just walking down the street. I mean, that's Miami, Luke. In fact, you know it's what?
1: Actually... She she took the fight to everybody. I got. I'm gonna say I'm pretty impressed. And
0: yeah, look well, at this Harai Goshi. A hell of a No, drug, no Luke. not
1: exactly. Wow. You know, I'm amazed.
0: Huh? But Luke, that's that's Miami on a Monday morning. Let's check out Miami on a Tuesday night. Um, it, it don't get any weirder. But I don't know if you've been down there, Luke. It's not a regular place. Check out what's going on in the middle of traffic right here, Luke. Yeah, right. Wow, Luke. That girl will dance for for money for honks. Um, is she gonna start peeing? Look at these guys making it rain in the middle of traffic. Look, this is great. We gotta move there, right?
1: Yeah, we gotta take. We gotta be like Dan Levitard and take the show to Miami. What are we
0: doing? MK Miami Nights. That'll be great, right? Rather than the damn Mohegan Bubble. All right, uh, Luke. We got a couple more for you this week in Corona. Airplane etiquette. I thought you would like this.
1: I hope these two get Corona. <laughs> Absolutely <You mentioned> him- <laughs> filthy swine, Cerdo. Pigs.
0: All right, all right, all right. Uh, Can you imagine Luke,
1: the co- hubris between these two?
0: We're going to close with this, Luke. This is the biggest week in our show's history, so I just wanted to send, as always, another Suge Knight like offering out to all you people out there. If you watch other shows, look, you're wasting your time. This is what we do on MK, and that's you out there if you ain't watching us, okay? We don't need you. <laughs> we don't want you. Take that, okay? Hold this, as Luke would say, okay? <laughs> Hold yeah, that. right there. I don't care what you know who you think you watch. It's MK. It's all day. It's no other way. Okay, this is it. This is the one. Ugh. This is the stuff right here. Okay, thanks. Did I tell you the
1: one time I threw water balloons in college at these people walking by and I felt really bad about it? This uh, oh. I was in the third floor, which was the highest floor for this particular dorm, and uh, I was at this window and you couldn't I couldn't quite throw it this way, so I had to kind of like I had to flea flick. I had to kind of hit them with the option, you know. And uh, I wasn't really paying attention to who I was throwing because uh, I just wanted to hit somebody as they were walking by. And uh, this girl had this bag from Chick-fil-A. There was a Chick-fil-A in the, uh, in the dining hall. But the key was the Chick-fil-A had just opened. So, like, I knew if you had gone there and you had gotten food, you'd probably waited a long time to get it. And she comes, and I hit her with the old option. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it hit right through her bag, and all of her food hit the ground and then just spread out with the water balloon like drenching it like cheese covering nachos or something, <laughs> and she just sat there and looked at it and started to cry. I felt I felt really uh, bad about yeah,
0: it. Yeah, that's that's bad, Luke. That's not good. That's yeah. All right. I apologize to her and I went and movie.
1: got her Chick Fil A the next day. But you know that's different.
0: Oh so. wow! Did you end up sleeping with her?
1: No, no, no. She's not my type. But I felt bad.
0: Luke, in college, there's no such thing as types. It's just you know, right? Uh, depends no. how ugly they are, BC okay all right hey have you seen all that ish there it was luke hope you enjoyed that okay let's all right let's very good with right. that
1: in with that in mind bc it is time now for odds and ends sir what do you have for us
0: uh, i got two quick ones here uh, over the weekend on that ufc card uh how shout out to Mackenzie dern uh she's a mother and she's a tough one luke i know she went in there against uh what's her name uh with the you know the, Random marcos Random Marcos, who's now 10 10 and one, by the way. But um, I saw a dedication this time for Mackenzie Dern to like fitness and making weight. And it was a Mackenzie Dern type fight. Look, Marcos took guard and didn't, you know, and she she jumped into the deep end of the pool. She shouldn't have been there. But Luke, I'm now seeing a a much more dedicated Mackenzie Dern post uh, pregnancy, if you will who is starting to really look like a legit contender. And she'd been sort of an attraction for a little bit. We know she's very skilled, but I think she's starting to put it together. And it's almost time, right? She's going to need a few more wins. This is a killer division, as we know. But it's almost time to start thinking about what she might look like against those upper-tier elite. And we know this division is full of them, Luke. Are you seeing right now... Somebody that can contend with the Rose Namajunas, with the Wei Li Zhangs, with the Yoannas, in terms of that. Because look, on the, on the ground, she got a big right hand, but on the ground, few can match that strength in that in that technique.
1: No, I'm not. I mean, she got she went to the ground by slipping on a kick, and then Random Marcos, for reasons that will remain unclear to me for the rest of my life, decided to engage her by going to the ground with her a all-time galactically bad call in fight sports um so yeah mackenzie Dern. i've watched her jiu-jitsu career she's as good as advertised in that i you know the thing for me i'll I'll give you was that she looked to be in tremendous physical condition and you're right she does seem to have a renewed focus but this fight doesn't tell us anything other than what we already knew other than you know, she does appear to be training hard and perhaps the right way. So still a lot uh, of questions for me. She's such a
0: physical specimen, though, and I know that like you know, they made a Rousey comparison on there, and there's certainly some levels of that, Luke. But she's big and strong for the weight class, and that's going to make. I know she doesn't have the hands. Mm, I actually of those don't think she's that, that strong. I, I
1: actually don't think she's that strong in the clinch. Right. She's been muscled around even by the Ashley Yoder types.
0: She, okay, she okay, wins Luke, we'll on see. technique. All right. All right, we'll see. I know you hate women in birth, but we'll see, Luke. Um, I also wanted to shout out, uh, I didn't like this, Luke. Can we play that video, Jay? ESPN's MMA account put this out. This was yesterday, I believe. Israel Adesanya has touched down and so has Polo Costa in Abu Dhabi ahead of this weekend's title fight. And, Luke, they went face-to-face and there was absolutely no protection of kayfabe here. And I know what you're going to say, pro wrestling fanboy. Shut the heck up. Luke, I, I didn't expect them to throw hands. But the volume of this video is very chummy. Hey, buddy. You know, and look, I understand there's there's Bushido, there's respect. These guys aren't going to, you know, scratch each other's eyeballs out in the, in the parking lot. But the promotion has been well handled up to this point. The Countdown Joe came out, by the way, which has you and I, our own voice, uh, featured in it for Morning Combat. So shout out to those folks. But uh, it's been built upon the idea that they don't like each other, that, you know, Costa wanted to run into the cage after the Romero fight. They're supposed to hate each other, Luke. I want to believe that they hate each other. I don't like when this stuff sees the light of the day. Maybe it's just the pro wrestling fan in me. I, I didn't enjoy that, Luke. You care?
1: No, I didn't care for two fucking seconds at all. Not even a well, little bit.
0: Well, well. All right, Luke. It's still real to me. All right, damn it, it is still yeah, real to me. I mean, and, this uh, is you
1: know, this is you being like <laughs> getting super invested in some pro wrestling storyline. I mean. Does this in any way change how you think the fight might go? I mean, not
0: you know, necessarily, but fuck. don't you want to believe that? I mean, I interviewed, you know, Izzy last week and he's calling him a steroid. You know, he's ripping him left and right, saying our energies don't match. I mean, he's giving you the quotes you want. So when they see each other, we're supposed to we're supposed to bro out. Luke, you've got some enemies in this MMA media game. Do I expect you and your enemies to to hug at a fight? No, bro. They didn't, they didn't keep really keep alive.
1: They didn't really hug, and, and more to the point, uh, yeah, I've got plenty of people I fucking can't stand, but, you know, am I going to go out of my way to have a conflict with them uh, during a pandemic? You know, probably not. Probably I'm going to just let it rock and, you know, be cordial to the extent that I need to be. That's it.
0: So, hey, Luke, no. you got going to have to be careful of one thing in the bubble this week. If you plan on podcasting with me in the evening, got some beers cracked, right? I might. It might just be the time for me to get that rear naked in. And I know what your mind is telling you, right? You know, your mind's telling you, this guy BC's a wash dad. He's, you know, he doesn't have the proper jiu experience that I do. I'm a tough guy who beat people down as a bouncer, all this stuff. Luke, do you know how bad it would be for your brand, speaking of kayfabe, for me to make you tap on camera? Do you have any idea?
1: Anytime you want a shot at the title, you let me know.
0: All right, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to go one-on-one against you, but you know, if I slip that thing in, Luke, it's it is tap or nap. Just just so the you people You don't know, even okay? know
1: how to slip it in.
0: Why well, I, I have fathered children? Look, <laughs> all right. Let's 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 you know. Let's three yeah. needles, okay. BC. Three needles. Yeah, yeah. Well, three. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. All right. Uh, Go ahead. For, Luke, my, what, for what my odds and
1: ends, end. we'll stay with Israel Adesanya. Dana White was asked recently about uh, the entrances because against Robert Whitaker, he had the whole dance thing. Against uh, Ro- Yoel Romero, he had this sort of uh, I don't know what you call it, this more traditional um, uh, Nigerian vibe, uh, sort of like low key, but. Clearly, there's a little bit of of theatrics to it. And Dana White was basically saying, yeah, I want less of that. I want it to be as basic as possible, as bare bones as possible. To which I thought, okay, I get it, because to the extent that fighters are just anonymized, you can sub them in, sub them out, and hey, the, the brand is the product. On the other hand, it's like, holy smokes, do you actually do that for a business reason, or do you just do it because you don't like it? The business reason, I don't agree with, but I understand you mean to tell me you might be doing this because you actually don't like it, BC? I was shocked. Who doesn't well, like that kind of thing?
0: Like Colby going off on right wing politics and them, you know, being okay with it. And it's like, oh, convenient. I know what this looks like. The optics look like, you know. No, do I don't. I don't th- the race that-
1: thing, I didn't buy because I don't think he wants to do it for Connor either. All that much. Maybe just to think he got talked into. He's been pretty clear and consistent. He doesn't like it. I just thought he was no, warming he up it, look, to he, it.
0: it. It's kind of like the uniform deal, right? Like, you know, they want to keep it streamlined. I mean it's like look in the NBA, right? You got one sponsor on the on the shoulder, but that, that wasn't there for years. It's a very streamlined look. I'm again not against uniform wise that they keep it that way. I would like to to be them to be to the fighters to be allowed to do a little you know, it doesn't have to be pride or, or anything like that, but I would like a little bit more showmanship in there, Luke. So um I'm against him being against that. But I don't think it's anything more than that.
1: It's just annoying. Just annoying. All right. Hey, That's can That's... we
0: shout out can we shout out a, a great friend of the program? Greg yeah, I guess Kelly. We can. Okay, uh number two, uh, in your scorebooks, number one in our hearts from the outcry documentary on Showtime. Uh, he was wronged. He is he talk about perseverance and and uh grace and it's just, just a he's an impressive human Luke he just signed a letter of intent for a full ride to play football at uh, was it Central was it Eastern Michigan correct Eastern Michigan Eastern Michigan yep he had been looking to try to walk on at Texas you know he had been training with ex NFL guys shout out to Greg Kelly I know it's many years in the making he's what, 25 26 but uh, you know however it goes from here right if he's a star if he's a Rudy however it goes from here, to get to this point, to get what he what he lost, what he could have had, which is just experience life experience, playing football, playing the the sport he loves that was, that was a it was a warming moment to see that, and he cut the he cut the hair Luke, you see that he went in for the high and tight good it looks better that way um wow, you are you are completely unmoved by this topic, in fact, are you still yes. holding it against me that the legal team held up our interview for about a month um, yes. You mean for the entire window where anyone could
1: have possibly cared? Yes. Yes, as I am.
0: Luke, you have misdirected hostilities. One day you'll forgive the New York public transportation system for me being late to the morning combat New Year's Eve drinking episode. One BC. day you'll forgive BC. me.
1: If I can get to the studio on time from nine states away, you do not have an excuse. Look, I then, took public transportation
0: now, not the whole way. It's not, you know, it's not my fault. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yes, it is precisely your fault and no one else's. Uh with that being said, at least we got to do that in person. And BC, I'm very I, I say this sincerely. I'm excited to see you this week. I've been I've been very much looking forward to it, not merely for what it means for the show, in our careers, and all that all that other kind of sort of grandiose stuff, but just on a personal level, I we are lucky as balls to be able to do the show in the way that we have been through this pandemic. But I'm I sure I say. have missed the studio. I have missed being together in the same room. I'm excited about the cards, yes, but I'm also excited about uh, just getting together again, dude. I've missed you.
0: Let's do it. I'm, fa- I'm fired up, all right? MK, all, all week, all right? Check us out Wednesday. It's the Showtime pay-per-view press conference stream we'll be hosting. Friday, the weigh-in stream we'll be hosting. Of course, the halftime show on Saturday night's pay-per-view. And as Luke mentioned, in some form pretty much every day this week, you'll be hearing from us. Is that correct to say, Luke?
1: I think that's probably fair to say in some form or another you'll be hearing from us by the way my live chat i will do uh on thursday i don't know exactly when i gotta work on those details but we'll figure that out as well that's gonna be a permanent move um so be be on the lookout for that uh okay if you want to try showtime you certainly can go to showtime.com right now and uh you can try it for free for 30 days you like it you can keep it if not you know go watch something stupid If you want to get some of this brilliant MK merchandise, store.show. That's S-H-O.com. You can go and check that out. More of that coming, by the way. So be on the lookout for it. And then last but not least, we're on social media. This channel here, Morning Combat, is on uh, Instagram as well. Same name. Give us a like there. You can see the very, and we have a Twitter now, BC, by the same name, Morning Combat.
0: Follow us on Twitter. It's it, it starts now, folks. It's about, it's about I mean, look, this is a weird week we're on the road this week. We're going to hit you up with content. We're going to go 3 episodes a week moving forward out of here at least to start off in uh so many bonuses, so many surprises. Hey, people liked our friend Rashad Evans last week. Well, well, you know, we'll we'll see more of him in the future. Of course, we love Chuck. We love Chuck. People are like, yes. "Oh, what does this mean? You guys, you guys broke up with Chuck?" No. no. All right. Yeah, all right. No. It's okay. It was, there's, there's, there's technical concerns and stuff. All right. We love Chuck. Hey, Jay, thank you for being our producer. You're not going to the bubble this week, Jay. You're not. Nope. You're not, Jay. Jay is anti-COVID testing. He believes I am not going to the bubble disease. I will produce you from right here. Just like I always do. Okay. Jay. All right. Squirrel X. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Uh, Okay. BC, I will see you. uh, I guess I'll see you tomorrow morning when we get COVID tested. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, you might see me tonight, Luke. You know, I might, you know. I'm, uh,
1: you know. you want to slide through, come through? We can do a, we can do a, a, a podcast in masks. Uh, I don't know. We'll figure something out. All right, for uh, Brian Campbell, yeah. on that side of the screen, I'm Luke Thomas. Thanks to everyone at Showtime and at Malka. We are on the road after the show all week long at the Mohegan Sun. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned for more content. But until then, may all of your gains be loyal.